In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our Gen Con online seminar coverage. Hi everyone, welcome to our next panel. This is the Age of Lost Omens Pathfinder Society Guide. I am Luis Loza. I am a developer at Paizo working on the Lost Omens lines for Pathfinder. And I have with me here three of my favorite people in the world. And we're gonna go and introduce them as well. We'll start with Linda. Hi, I'm Linda Zeiss Palmer. I am the organized play managing developer at Paizo. That means that I do a lot of logistics for the organized play programs, Pathfinder Society, Starfinder Society, and Pathfinder Adventure Card Society. All right, next, let's learn about Mike. I am Mike Sayre, the Pathfinder Society developer at Paizo, and that means that I outline and plan a lot of the stories and adventures that uh, everybody plays when they play in the organized play program. Finally, last but not least, Leo. I'm Leo Glass. Uh, I'm a senior editor at Paizo, and I was the editing lead uh, on uh, Lost Women's Pathfinder Society Guide, uh, which means I edit a lot of words, but also kind of uh, uh, help scope some of the direction as the book gets polished and finalized. And if you can hear my dog in the background, I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so as I mentioned, if we look at our first slide here, we're going to be talking about Lost Women's Pathfinder Society Guide which is a, a new book that we're releasing here um, in October. I think you can pre-order now. And if you're a subscriber, you'll, you're, you're set for that. Uh, but uh, the first thing we got to talk about when it comes to talking about the Pathfinder Society Guide is what is the Pathfinder Society? And I think I'm going to hand that off to uh, Linda and Mike, who I think know best about what the Pathfinder Society is and could explain the society in both our setting and organized play. So the Pathfinder Society, like Louise said, is both uh, the in-world organization of explorers and treasure hunters and storytellers who really take on a, a wide variety of roles in the world of Galarian because they call to people from all sorts of backgrounds and perspectives come to join the society. So there's some people who think of the society more as, you know, we're an organization that's about, we're going to push at the edges of the boundaries of the, of our understanding, or we're going to try to use the society as a force for good, or we're going to try to use this as a way to, to build our own public profile. So really a lot of people um, in the world take different, uh, different approaches to what it means to be in the society. And those perspectives shape sort of the way that the society functions and interacts with the world. Um, and this also, this also comes into play in terms of, is the society more about, you know, let's, let's take care of this one little exploration here, or let's get ourselves involved in a larger political scale. So there's really a lot of potential for stories with the Pathfinder Society to have a wide variety of scopes. Mike, do you want to talk about what the Pathfinder Society is sort of as a, as a out of game Yeah, absolutely. So uh, in the same way that in world, the Pathfinder Society is an organization of like-minded people who go out and push the edges of the map and have these wonderful adventures together. Uh, in the real world, we also have the Pathfinder Society, which is what we call our organized play group of people who play 
Pathfinder uh, in gaming venues, at home, conventions all over the world. Uh, we've got groups in Russia, Brazil, Australia, Japan. I, I literally can't do this list without leaving dozens of locations out. So I'm, I'm going to leave it there with the caveat that that is only the tiniest fraction of the people who play this game. Uh, and it lets you take a persistent character. You make your character, who is the person that you want to play, your avatar in this game world. And you can play them at any of these locations. You could, and some of the people on this team have, sat down at a table on one side of the United States on a Wednesday to play that character and then taken that exact same character and played them on another country uh, just a few days later. Uh, and that's really what it is. In the same way that the Pathfinder Society is an organization of people who get together to share their ideals and adventures in world, that's what it is out of world as well. And the Pathfinder Society really benefits from an amazing and dedicated group of volunteers, uh, many of whom you'll see if you are doing events here at Gen Con or otherwise, they are, well, I mean, without them, the program would not exist for all the work that they do to organize games, coordinate people, create conventions, run games for people. So um, I want to say thank you to everyone who is working so hard to make that possible. Yes, thank you all. So going into the Pathfinder Society Guide, we, we wanted to tell you all of that and more. Uh, uh, this book is a Lost Omens book, which means it's primarily focused on the setting here and talks about what the Pathfinder Society does. Uh, and when we were first putting this book together, we, we had to decide, what do we want this book to do? What do we, who do we want this book to be for? And early on, we decided we wanted this to be the comprehensive evergreen guide on the Pathfinder Society as an organization. In the setting, what that means is we have to give you a full explanation on everyday life as a Pathfinder, joining the Pathfinder Society, the kinds of missions they do, they go on, the, the people that you interact with and all this, all these different things in such a way that is both, uh, you know, not necessarily a rehash for people who have been playing the game for 10, 12 years at this point uh, and, and, you know, useless knowledge at that point, uh, but also accessible to new players who are just joining in to uh, Pathfinder for the first time, learning about our setting for the first time, and possibly joining into organized play for the first time. So there's a lot of work that the, this uh, book had to uh, do to, to fill in uh, all of these different information gaps and also work as uh, uh, an ease, uh, a tool to bring people in, into the game. And I think Leo did a lot of work with, uh, with the help of the editors to to channel the, the the book in such a way that it, it kind of met all of those goals. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, what's really interesting and kind of about this process is that, and this panel, is that we have people who started on the very beginning uh, of, of the process, kind of its creative development. And then uh, when it transitions over to editing, that's where we really put the polish on. But we're, we're working very closely with all of you. I, I, I loved all the conversations we got to have during this book about how um, how does the Pathfinder Society sort of uh, influence the setting and, and what sort of we can pull from the larger world of Galarian um, that everyone can use at their tables, kind of an organized play as well. And I just, I love that integration because I feel like this is really a really great way and this book presents a great way um, for players to interact 
uh, with the world and with the setting at their tables and organized play in a way that uh, they, they, they might not have been able to before. So I think this book um, represents a lot of those opportunities. It was really cool to kind of see the whole process from, from start to finish and, and, and be involved in all of that. Uh, so. So let's dive into a little bit about what this book features. As I mentioned earlier, we, we're going to give you a rundown about the everyday life of a Pathfinder, how you join the organization, and maybe what you do uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and that's the early parts of the book, as, as well as the history of the, the Pathfinder Society. But the big sections of the book, I think, uh, start first with uh, our next slide here, the Pathfinder Society Factions, which, uh, Linda, do you mind telling us a bit about what the factions are in the Pathfinder Society? Yeah, sounds good. So this uh, this image here shows uh, shows several of our faction leaders, and we can go into more detail about specifically what the factions are in a minute. But from a general sense, factions are organizations of like-minded Pathfinders that gather together to promote certain parts of what the society does based on what their priorities are. And we've had factions as a feature in the Pathfinder Society campaign for, um, for quite a while. Um, to start off, they were more like, you know, this is the Chiliax faction. This is the Taldor faction. We're here to represent the interests of these nations or these goals as outside forces that are influencing the society. But as we look to, uh, as we look to second edition, uh, we really wanted to make sure that those factions and are more geared toward um, where people do from the inside of the society and how they want to shape the society. Um, and that is something that we have reflected as well in the transitions in the story going from first edition to second edition, because we very much try to make sure that what's going on with the in-world organization and what's going on with the out-of-game organization uh, mirror each other. Oh. So in terms of uh, in terms of the factions themselves, um, oh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, the factions themselves. Um, let's look at our first faction here. Uh, we're looking at Fola Baron, who is the leader of one of the factions, the Envoys Alliance. Uh, this book uh, has its second chapter. It's all about the factions and and uh, the different groups you can join in the. Uh, Pathfinder Society, and this is the first one we get to look at. Envoys Alliance is a group all about the well-being of the Pathfinders themselves. There are thousands of members in the organization, and they get into a lot of different escapades. Some of them are fun, some of them are dangerous, and that means that sometimes people can get hurt, and Envoys Alliance is all about taking care about each other, taking care of your fellow Pathfinder, and, and making sure that society is doing well. If its members are doing well, the society surely can do well uh, on that. And Fola Baron is, is the leader and is pushing towards that. And, you know, this is one of the, the four factions you can, main factions that you can join. And in the book itself, it features a full rundown of what the faction's about, uh, Fola's history, but it also includes interesting stuff uh, that you can take if you are a member of the Envoys Alliance. So there are new uh, usually new pieces of equipment that you can take in uh, a given section, depending on which faction you join. So, you know, if that sounds like something you'd like to do, you can join up and get something like the uh, body, body recovery kit to bring back your, your, your lost pathfinders and hopefully uh, let them uh, fight another day uh, on that. Uh, so let's look at our next faction here, which I think Mike can give us a rundown on. 
Yeah, our next uh, faction is the Grand Archive, and that is uh, Gorm Great Hammer there, Dwarven Prince, and uh, Pathfinder of significant renown, uh, who has been in our setting for actually many years, uh, not always as the leader of a faction, uh, but following the uh, relatively catastrophic events uh, that uh, were the end of first edition and the beginning of second edition. Uh, Gorm has really kind of dedicated himself to uh, leading those Pathfinders who are most dedicated to the preservation of history and the uh, the discovery of new knowledge. That's... Um, it's a lot of what the Grand Archive is about. Now, there's another faction we're going to talk about later who are the ones that push back the edges of the map and are really the gung-ho explorers. That's not quite what Grand Archive are. Grand Archive are the ones who are on the same boat as the people pushing back the edges of the map and retaining the presence of mind to keep logs and charters of where they've gone, draw the maps, do those things. They're the person who makes sure that all of those discoveries are properly logged and preserved for history. And, uh, and Gorm is really good at that because Gorm is a bard and other people who like to blend the going out and seeing new sites with making good records of what they have seen and done are the ones who like to come here and work with the Grand Archive. All right, speaking of pushing that map, I'm rolling it out. Let's look at our next faction. Linda, tell us about the Horizon Hunters. So the Horizon Hunters, uh, led by faction leader uh, Calistro Bennery, is a faction that's really about exploring new places that nobody has been before or that nobody has been in a really long time and seeing what they are all about. Um, and the, the Horizon Hunters also has a strong, a strong sense of don't just explore this place, but also look good doing it. Make your mark on the Pathfinder Society's history. Get your name written up in the Pathfinder Chronicles for future generations to look up to you and to admire. Um, there is no surer way to, to get mocked as a member of the Horizon Hunters than to, than, to go to a, than to go to a distant city and then to claim that you've discovered it. They'd be like, you know, no, people live there. You didn't discover that. You have to actually discover something real and contribute to the, the basis of understanding and daring, bravery, and uh, really a, a flexible spirit are very valued in the Horizon Hunters. Um, and Calistro Bannery as the leader and a, a former pirate really exemplifies that spirit. All right, and we have one more faction here, which I think Leo's gonna talk to us about. Yeah, so the Vigilant Seal, in my opinion, is awesome. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> led by uh, Iando Klein, who's pictured here. Um, as where all my colleagues uh, talk to you about, you know, exploring in the case of the, the Horizon Hunters or uh, going out into dangerous caverns and, and, and uh, terrible places, uh, uh, cataloging artifacts uh, and, and making, you know, negotiating with strange and new creatures. That's all well and get good. But there are repercussions of all of that. There are dangers <laughs> that can be unleashed upon Galarian. And what's great about the Vigilant Seal is that they take their duty to protecting and preserving the world from those dangers very seriously. So the Vigilant Seal is really all about, as, as to where uh, the rest of the Pathfinder Society it focuses on exploring, uh, reporting, and cooperating, the mantra of the Vigilant Seal is protect, contain, and destroy. So uh, if, uh, if Mike goes out and finds uh, a, a scary artifact, 
he might, you know, petition uh, the Pathfinder Society to, hey, let's let's take a look at that thing. I might say, no, that's going to unleash the wrath of Asmodeus on all of Galarian. Let's not do that. The Vigilant Seal is here. Um, and there's some great, what I really love about this section, too, uh, is there's just a lot of great storytelling that kind of just talks about how the Vigilant Seal supports the other factions uh, in the Pathfinder Society, but also does what it can to really keep everyone safe and, and to value life uh, and, and preservation, uh, no matter the, the potential benefit at all costs. And I, I think that's what makes the Vigilant Seal really cool. And there's some really awesome items. The one I'm excited the most about is the Metal Mist Fear, uh, because the Vigilant Seal does its best to understand uh, odd threats. You can basically have an orb that's loaded with like cold iron or silver and launch it at your enemies and just, you know, have a grenade that, that peppers them with shrapnel uh, that, uh, that they're weak to. So it's, it's, a, it's a really great section. All these sections are great. All four of these uh, faction <laughs> sections are were written actually by members of our organized play team, including Mike and Linda here, as well as Tanya and James uh, from organized play. So you're, you're getting the real deal, the full straight from the horse's mouth details about these factions here. And uh, they actually contributed a lot to this book. A lot of the sections you see here are uh, thanks to their work. So you're you're getting the definite the, the definitive uh pathfinder information for from uh the team itself uh, when you kind of read this book here so let's move on our next chapter in the book details uh what probably our most notable feature of the pathfinder which is our lodges which are all over the world and where where uh pathfinder members start their adventures and, and finish their days uh and let's Tell me a little bit about what lodges are, are all about, Mike. So to be a Pathfinder Lodge, uh, there are a few requirements that need to be uh, met. You have to have at least one copy of the Pathfinder Chronicles, which are a regular publication put out by the Pathfinder Society that talks about the discoveries and exploits of its members. Uh, you have to have at least one spare room or loft or something where pathfinders who are in your area can rest and be safe. Uh, and if you have a lodge, then you have a responsibility to help direct pathfinder agents in your area to, to tell them where the opportunities are, where their uh, efforts should be directed uh, and, and things like that. Uh, and so lodges can be almost anything. Uh, we have one lodge, the Grinning Pixie, which is literally a former pirate ship. Uh, <laughs> and it meets all of the requirements. There's, uh, there's a copy of the Chronicles in there. Anybody can hop on a hammock and take a rest if they, uh, they need to. Uh, we have, you know, the Grand Lodge in Absalom, which is a massive building. It's essentially, you know, a a castle with extended grounds that include libraries and towers and all of these things. Uh, we've got uh, lodges down in other parts of the world that are literally like two bedroom shacks. And the person who lives there is always a little surprised when other agents actually show up, but also a little excited because it's their chance to interact. Uh, we even have a lodge that was a former temple to an evil God in a country that is currently ruled by a different evil power. Uh, but who is kind of okay with this group of explorers and archaeologists uh, coming through and doing some work. Um, and that's one of the really cool things about lodges. While they have these unifying themes to them, each lodge is incredibly unique 
and different. And I know we're going to be talking about venture captains uh, in a little bit, and that's going to touch on what their lodges are, so I don't want to spoil that too much. Um, but any lodge that exists anywhere in the world is going to carry a lot of the character and flavor of that piece of the world with it, because it is a part of that piece of the world. It's someone who lives there and is part of that community. And as a result, the Pathfinders get to also be part of those communities. One of the things that uh, I really like about uh, the close involvement that um, the Pathfinder Society team as a whole was able to have on this book was how, how up to date this book is going to be when it comes out. This book is going to include information that didn't go out to the public until the scenarios that are being run at Gen Con right now. Yep. <laughs> And that's a, a fun thing we got to do is bring the timeline up to date, like literally in advance uh, that we wrote this in such a way that we knew just what was going to happen uh, as Gen Con was, was wrapping up. So as soon as you get this book in a few months, you'd be like, oh, I was there. I, I, I helped do that. Um, so the, uh, the lodge sections themselves, uh, like Mike was saying, they have a lot of, uh, of uh, unique stuff going on. They're, they're all their own unique locations. We, we, I think we covered close to a dozen different lodges and each of them have a rundown of what the lodge is like, what life is like in the lodge, uh, as well as important figures that work within or, or with the lodge and even a, a little timeline of the lodge's history. And just like uh, our previous sections, they also come with interesting uh, mechanical options that you can take or, or use for your characters. For example, the Grinning Pixie comes with two new kind of seafaring focused weapons that you can acquire if you happen to be at the greening pixie at a time if you're on the ship they're they're for sale there but they're harder to get elsewhere because i mean people aren't selling boarding pikes in the middle of a city in in any random country uh, why but, not uh, it <laughs> turns out they're landlocked <laughs> but in, in addition to the uh the information on the options and and the lodge itself we also as mike mentioned have specific venture captains who are the leaders of that lodge and each entry details of the various venture captains and i think maybe let's talk a little bit about some of our favorite venture captains here uh leo do you want to start us off with who you you particularly like that we feature in the book yeah and and, and i'll i'll uh, i went back and forth i think i'm actually beca <laughs> because of how he's featured in the book i think i'm going to go with the endocline actually because i love his story if you, if you know anything about how the vigilant seal was formed in the faction uh, he basically left the Pathfinder Society at one point because uh, he objected basically to that scenario that I that I kind of uh, portrayed when I talked about the Vigilant Seal. Uh, an artifact was discovered. Uh, it was, or, or sorry, an army was was discovered that could uh, uh, sort of uh, invade and hurt Galarian. And there was a debate whether or not it, it should basically, you know, basically be cataloged or explored. Or uh, and Eanda was like, no, literally, you're going to destroy everything we've, we've worked to preserve. And because he, he stood on his principles, he left and then uh, ended up coming back to, to found the Vigilant Seal. And I think that that's that lesson uh, and, and that uh, type of leadership is, is applicable not only today, but it's just really cool in a fantasy setting. And I feel like it's uh, uh, really cool for us to kind of explore um, the concepts of how do we serve people through the organizations that we represent. And I actually talked to, to James Case, uh, as you mentioned, Luis, he wrote this and, and as he was talking about it, he really wanted to explore um, that concept. And I, I think through this this character in, in this book, but also uh, in all of the, the uh, uh, scenarios and quests that, that he's featured in, I, I think we do that, which is really cool to me. Yeah. All right, Linda, how about you? Who, who, what kind of uh, venture captain if it catches your eye? 
So uh, I mentioned uh, I mentioned Calista Robinery before um, <laughs> as a part of the Horizon Hunters. I'm a huge fan of her of her can do spirit and the way that she just looks at any challenge and says, "You know what? We're I'm there already. Who's in the boat with me?" Um, I also am a fan of uh, venture captains who kind of have these mysteries and secrets about them. So like uh, like Eliza Petchelangro, who we eventually revealed uh, to be uh, to to have a much more prominent role in the society as a as a member of the Decemberate. Um but and also um, also people like uh, like Drendel Drang, who you just have show up in one of the scenarios in uh, in in first edition Pathfinder Society School of Spirits. He shows up and he's got a he's got a medal of service from the uh, from the Lion Blades, and he's got something from the Eagle Knights, and it's like, how did you get those medals? Like, where did those even come from? What is your deal? So I, I suppose that what's most interesting to me are characters that ha that raise those questions and that come with a lot of uh, ready-made story hooks to explore. Okay, Mike, let's hear it. All right, so uh, we have Biersig Torsen and his dog Maki on screen, but I promised since you like Biersig so much <laughs> well that I was going to let you talk about him. Yes. So I'm going to talk about another one of my favorite uh, venture captains who is actually very new. He only appeared, uh, I think, about two months ago in the adventures, uh, and his name is Narsen, and he is a Razmiri priest in the country of Razmaran, which is ruled by Razmir, the living god, who, if you have actually read our uh, materials, is not a god. He's just a really powerful wizard who no one has been able to successfully contradict yet. I, I hear that's just rumors and hearsay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, and Narsen would agree with you. Those are seditious rumors. But Narsen would also acknowledge that maybe there is some value to questioning. He is a very odd individual. He is a Razmiri priest. He wears the metal mask that hides his features. There is a lot about him that is mysterious, not just to members of the Pathfinder Society, but also to members of his own priesthood, his own peers. Uh, no one's 100% sure why he decided to allow the Pathfinders to come claim uh, this castle right on the edge of uh, their, the capital city. Uh, no one's 100% sure what he's really up to. His, uh, his peers don't trust him. The Pathfinders don't trust him. Um, but the one thing that everybody kind of knows is that he's really, really good at what he does, which includes crafting unique magic items and manipulating a lot of people who would probably rather he wasn't there. <laughs> Uh, which makes him one of my personal favorites. I actually got to work with Jason Bullman as we were talking about uh, introducing the Exalted Lodge and Narsen and uh, what it would mean for the Pathfinder Society to have this kind of connection with Razmir and Razmaran. And it's not just a character and lodge that I'm really excited for everybody to get to read in this book, but an ongoing storyline that I'm really hoping everybody gets to experience with us as uh, this edition goes forward. Yeah, and as Mike mentioned, I'm looking to speak uh, about uh, Piercing Torsen here. Uh, on, on the screen, you're probably seeing two different characters. On the left is, is Sheila Heidmark, who is the uh, the venture captain of the Heidmark Manor in uh, Magnamar in Verissia, who is, I think, one of our venture captains that's shown up probably the most uh, in different scenarios. She's shown up so many times. A lot of people probably know her. Um, and and Beer Sigforsen here with his wonderful dog, uh, Maki. And what I like about Beer Sig is just, he's a testament, 
Uh, I mean, he, he's he's already a, a cool uh, uh, venture captain on his own. He's a very scholarly type, uh, so he's kind of the 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 type that you would expect rather than oh, I I had a bunch of money and I'm excited to just have people at my house. I'm going to make a, a, a Pathfinder Lodge. Um, I no, I care about the the commitment to. Uh, the academics and, and everything that comes with it. Bjorsig is also a, a representation of, of the different types of, of people that can be uh, venture captains and the different types of people that you meet in the adventures as, as a member of the Pathfinder Society. Bjorsig is, is, was born deaf, so he, he has to um, communicate via sign language or, or with, um, with an assistant, things like that. And that just is being able to, to say someone that is deaf or, or has other disabilities or, or just isn't your typical strapping adventurer type uh, as a um, <clears throat> venture captain is just, you know, that that's a testament to the, the great work that the organized play team has put in over the years. And Bjorsig is just a, a, a great person that is, is a, a cool figure, I think, uh, that a lot of people love. And I've been writing uh for the organized play team uh, scenarios here and there. And Bjorsig recently is just someone that's like, I, I, I love this, this venture cap and I think he's really cool. And uh, it's just, I don't know, it, I think represents a lot of what the Pathfinder Society ultimately represents is just anyone can go out and, and be a great explorer and learn about the world. Uh, so, um, in addition to the venture captains that are featured in the lodges, we also have a big rundown of, of some of the other lodges that just like a little list of, of other notable lodges and other notable venture captains. We also go into detail about the Decemberate, not who they are, but what they do, what, what their role is in, in the organized play or in, in the Pathfinder Society. And we even give you artwork of all of the remaining Decemberate masks, which some of these have never been revealed before, which was a, a great exercise in like <laughs> finding all <laughs> the uh, previous information on them and, and deciding on what these masks looks like, which is so cool. Fun. Yeah. Um, and all of this information is presented in such a way that if you don't play an organized play, you could still bring in the lodges, the, the Pathfinder Society into your home campaign. So, you know, we give you the history of these because you might want to use Pathfinder Society as an adjacent organization to your campaign or play a Pathfinder Society themed game without playing through the scenarios and uh, do something of your own choosing. So this is uh, suitable for both organized play veterans and people who are looking to do stuff in their own game. But in addition to all of this stuff, uh, the book features a lot of new rules options here, uh, including new feats and equipment and, and stuff like that. So uh, I think this character in particular has a, a lot of connection to both Mike and Leo here. Mike, do you want to tell us a little bit about some of the rules options that you provided, some of the feats here, and uh, maybe why this character is so important to that? Yeah, so um, this is a book that we've been talking about all of the lore and all of the uh, organizational information and all of the ways that it touches the world, uh, but that shouldn't let the people who really just want cool new character options uh, to think that this book isn't for them, because this book is totally for you. There is so <laughs> much cool stuff in here, options that you can take on your character. And uh, kind of this first chunk of uh, character options uh, is in a header called Academy Instructors. And it's about people who are affiliated in some way with the Pathfinder Society in our story and the really cool things that they can teach you to do. 
we have a pirate captain who is also a venture captain in the society named Stella Fane. And she was introduced uh, back in a quest that was written by the other member of the org play uh, development team who's not here today, James Case. Uh, and she, when she was introduced, was a pirate captain and she had these cool kind of like card games and axe throwing games and these other uh, games of chance that she used to kind of test the PCs. And so her feats are really built around those themes. She can do cool stuff with a deck of cards, like throw them as darts or daggers or disappear in a cloud of them by just flipping them out in front of her and ducking away. Um, we've got feats that are taught by the different instructors, the deans of uh, the society's academies. So there's fun stuff like the Farabellus flip developed by Marcos Farabellus as a way to uh, avoid nasty attacks while uh, encumbered by armor. Uh, and then this character that we've got up on the screen is Malika Sanvara, and she has one of the coolest kind of both in-world and out-of-world stories in how she became a member of the Pathfinder Society. Back towards the beginning of uh, this year, uh, well, last year, I think, actually, but the beginning of this season for the, uh, the organized play campaign, uh, I hired Leo to write a quest for me. And I said, yeah, this character... Um, she's a martial artist down in Jalmeray. She's kind of embittered by some things that have happened. And she's created her own really aggressive fire-based martial art. And she's trying to spin off her own dojo, but has put her in trouble with some other allies of the society. So Leo writes this amazing adventure called Unforgiving Fire. You can find it on our website at paizo.com. And if you haven't played it, Totally do play it. Part of the Humble Bundle, too, uh, as, as is Port Peril Pub Crawl and a lot of the things that we're talking about characters from. So, Yes, absolutely. Uh, and while Leo was working on this adventure, he was doing some playtesting. And he came to me uh, one day when the adventure, uh, adventure, I think, was about three quarters of the way finished. And he said, hey, I was running this for some of the other editors. And they wanted to recruit Malika. They didn't just want to fight her. They, uh, they thought that she was someone who they empathized with. And I want to know if it is okay for me to include some options in this adventure for her to join the society. And I was like, hell yeah, that's a great idea, man. Let's <laughs> do it. Uh, and so Leo made that adjustment. We even included it in the reporting data for the adventure, which is something that allows us when people log their adventures online to kind of see what they did. And it turned out that it wasn't just the editors who loved this character. Tons of players loved and identified with this character and were taking the path to recruit her into the society. So as of this book, we have updated that lore to right now. And she has joined the Pathfinder Society as a member. She will appear in future adventures uh, and she will teach her particular style of martial arts to members of the society who earn her trust. This ties into another really cool thing about these feats. All of these feats are uncommon, but available to members of the Pathfinder Society. Malika's stance, her first feat, is a little different in that it is rare. But if you have played Unforgiving Fire, or you have all, or you are going to play Unforgiving Fire, then you have already interacted with her and earned that feat and you can now learn the rest of the style through this book 
So it's a really cool blending of the story and the book to bring in some really awesome options. And I'm just going to tell you the name of the capstone feat for this style is explosive death drop. And it's <laughs> picking somebody up and slamming them to the ground in a fireball explosion that also lights anybody standing nearby on fire. When I name things, I like to be subtle. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you had uh, some thoughts on some of the other feats here. We're looking to yeah. expand um, the existing Pathfinder Society archetypes that we featured in the World Guide and yep. the character guide and you know that's the pathfinder agent and then the scroll master spell master and sword master respectively uh, yep. tell us a bit about what's going on with those archetypes so yeah so what's what's really cool uh, is that you have we have the pathfinder agent uh dedication and so um you can take that and then you get access to all of these other feats that can really help develop your character both to integrate uh, them with the the Pathfinder Society, um, but also just expand the really cool and awesome things they, they have to do. And I don't know about you, but in the, 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 the Pathfinder 2 game that I'm playing in right now, I always feel like a well-timed recall knowledge, uh, especially in a combat situation, can be fantastic at helping you to understand what weaknesses a creature has. And so a feat that really stuck out to me and I, I feel like is very uh, in-world is called Remember Your Training. Uh, it's a, it's a, a fourth-level feat. Um, and what's really awesome is about it is it, it gives you your, let's see, I think it's your level bonus. You, yeah, you can add your level um, as your proficiency bonus when recalling knowledge about any creature. And the part that I re really love, too, is that if you fail, it's automatically a success, uh, which is also awesome. And so if you need that, okay, we're not doing any damage to this thing. Uh, we need, we need uh, to understand its weaknesses. Or, you know, hey, let's maybe not fight it. Let's understand... Uh, what this creature, maybe it's just defending its territory or defending its young or who knows, right? But um, what I just really love is is that uh, this is uh, sort of a, a lore-based way, um, but also kind of an in-game an, an in, in, in through mechanics-supported way uh, to be that character who really understands a lot about the world around them. And I, I think that's really awesome. Um, there's there's also, I'm a huge Nikola Tesla fan, so I kind of had to, to, to key in on, on one uh, of the, the Scroll Master, which uh, it's an archetype. We have different archetypes associated uh, to the schools within the Pathfinder Society. Um, and, and this one uh, with the Scroll Master, there is one called Eidetic Memorization. Uh, and I, I love it because it gives you, I think it's a 10th level feat, it gives you the ability to read one page of anything it can be a tome uh it can be uh yeah from a scroll etc and instantly memorize and transcribe it um i get that it's not as as maybe as sexy as a combat feat uh might be but as somebody who really likes to build characters uh who in interact with the world's lore i loved it uh because i was like oh that's awesome i'm, I'm gonna go down into the deep dungeon uh find find the ancient scroll that would probably trigger a horrible trap but get its information anyway uh which i i think is really awesome and nikola tesla to, to tie back uh people say that he had uh eidetic memorization and actually drew the the schematic for the first like the ac dc turbine that he's known for that powers and, and, and led to a lot of advances in electricity to us actually drew it in a graveyard because he memorized how the schematic worked using eidetic visualization and then drew it out 
uh, for his friend Joseph in a graveyard. So anyway, I, I geeked out when I saw that. <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, hey, this is this is awesome. So there's a lot of great feats. Those are just two um, to, to kind of give you a, 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 a splash. But there, there are a lot of great combat feats, uh, too, that can help you um, when in encounters. But just also a lot of stuff that makes your character more versatile and, and more fun to play. Yeah, and each of these archetypes is getting an extra two pages worth of feats. I think the this makes the Pathfinder agent probably the biggest archetype we've had at this point, like rivaling some of the class uh, classes in terms of number of feats, uh, which is just great. Um, and a lot of these options we said are tied to the Pathfinder society, but we also wanted to make sure there's stuff that is just generic equipment and cool gear that you could take at, even if you're not a pathfinder member and i think uh linda a lot of this stuff is really cute too so maybe you can talk <laughs> to us about it <laughs> yeah so uh this quill over here on the right is a uh, quill of passage and this this item kind of gives me a wily e. coyote vibe in some ways because you can take this quill <laughs> and you can draw a door on the wall and then you can use it to pass through the wall, uh, which I think is just a really awesome way to, to get into new places and to, uh, to explore. Uh, and, and speaking of cute, the familiar satchel over there on the left is a, is a safe way to get your familiar buddy around when you're, when you're adventuring. We've got, our, we've got a, uh, a more typical, so to speak, familiar there, which is a sort of the, the customized little ferret built with the usual familiar rules. But there's also new familiar options that you might want to put in your familiar satchel. Um, if you have seen the advanced players guides uh, rules for specialized familiars, then you'll know that there are options now to make familiars that have some power sets of powers that go above and beyond the, the baseline ones that have these toolkits like that, like, like the imp or the uh, or the spell slime or things like that 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 have those packages and here's a, a pictures of a couple of them here we've got on the right there is the poppet um, the adorable little doll buddy who uh, <laughs> you can customize in all sorts of ways um, that and that one's coming in over from first edition and in the middle we have the uh, the Dwemer cat the uh, magical fey cat that instinctively reacts to a wide variety of magic and can sense magic around them. Um, these are two of the familiars that are, are coming out in this book. We've got two more for you that you'll see when it comes out. Um, and we've also got over here on the, over here on the left, we've got plenty of sort of iconic Pathfinder Society items. So we've got some new Wayfinders, like this one is the, is the flyer version of the Elemental Wayfinder. There's a uh, there are wayfinders for all four of those fire, earth, air, and water elements, as well as this really cool-looking hummingbird wayfinder. There's a bunch of new there's a bunch of new aeon stones since those have such a classic connection to the Pathfinder Society. So there's a wide variety of uh, new mechanical options here in terms of lore and not in terms of uh, magic items and non-magic item gear. Um, you can pick up a deck of marked cards, for example, if you want to do that. Uh, so there's <laughs> things for pathfinders who are uh, who are looking to go for a variety of strategies. 
Yeah, and, and we tried our best to make as many of those items as common items as well. I mean, you don't have to have a membership in the Pathfinder Society to buy a deck of cards or a marked deck of cards and stuff like that. So, yeah, that's a good chunk of what we're we're showing off uh, in the Pathfinder Society Guide. But there's still a lot more to be found in this book. And if you are interested in checking it out, it comes out October of this year, just a couple months away. You can pre-order now if you're a subscriber. Like I said, you're probably set to go uh, for the Lost Omens line to get that book. Uh, and we just hope people like it and uh, get excited about playing the Pathfinder Society, either in organized play or in their own games, or even just dabbling a little bit for their particular characters. So we have a few minutes left if we have time for just a few questions here if anyone uh, wants to uh, ask us about the, the book or maybe stuff about organized play that's coming up. I know we have a few other uh, panels uh, talking about organized play in just a bit, but if anyone has questions about the book, now's the time. You have uh, some of the, uh, the people that worked on it to get on that uh, while we're waiting on that. Uh, the, the puppet familiar, uh, I think, introduces a, a cool new... Um, mechanic uh, for familiars. I think it just adds one ability, which is the constructed ability uh, that's like, hey, it, it's made from stuff, uh, but it, which is cool on its own. But then it also has, unfortunately, the flammable property. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, because it because it's a little, you know, it's it's made of these little flammable ingredients. So it's so it is uh, so it has a, a vulnerability to fire. Although if you if you really don't want your puppet to be vulnerable to fire, you can spend a little bit more familiar points to to get rid of that weakness. But the puppet, um, the puppet, one of the traits that it shares with the uh, the spell slime from the advanced player's guide is that it has a very low required number of abilities for it, which means that it's easy to have a puppet starting from very early on in your character's career. Cool. So got a few questions here. Um, First, we have from Koro7600, why is Ezrin's perception so bad in that question picture? Uh, I, I'm sure he's focused on that. It seems like Fumbus had the, the mimic on the ropes. No big deal. We'll probably tell you that story in, in a few months in a Tales of Lost Omens uh, story <laughs> on that. Um, Brian273 asks, is there a list of all the Pathfinder Chronicles that have been mentioned in print so far? I don't think the book itself has that list. Um, just because there's, there wasn't a, we talk about the Pathfinder Chronicles, but there wasn't a good spot to feature a huge list of dozens of, uh, of those issues there. Um, are there any lodges on any other planes? Asked Mova Avenger. I, I, I don't know that, so I'll leave it up to you, to, you guys. I'm not, I'm not going to say no, mm -hmm. but yes might be a stronger answer than I'm prepared to give at this time. <laughs> <laughs> I would say, uh, yeah. Well, actually, no. There is, there is at least one lodge that is not just on a separate plane of existence, but technically is a separate plane of existence. There you go. And if you yeah. want to see more about that, then be sure to check out the book. Um, Jay Bowman asks, are the storylines of past seasons PFS scenarios summarized in the book? And yeah, we can say, yes, they are. I think they'll go into some major overall plot point details about you know, the, the overall outcomes, but we won't say in specifically in scenario 728, it turns out the Pathfinders beat the divs away using this weapon and you know, stuff like that. It, yeah. it, it gives you the, the basics on that. 
It's more of a broad sense of the ways that the Pathfinder Society and the world around it changed based on the major events of the seasons in the mm -hmm. past so that you don't have to know those scenarios to know the to know where we are in second edition. Yeah, the 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 kind of the results and basic flow of those stories are built into what we are presenting here in this book. So if you read about like the Farseer uh, Tower down in Katapesh, that also includes a lot of what happened with the Katapesh storyline during year one. Uh, Jay Bowman also asked if the Aspis Consortium or other rival groups are detailed in this book. I know we touch on them a bit in terms of their relationship with the Pathfinder Society, but we don't give you a full breakdown of, of these organizations and groups. Um, any Lost Omens Legend style write-ups for the Pathfinder Society founders, uh, asked Brian273. I think the history gives you a, a good rundown of the founders uh, a bit. I don't think we go into a full-on two-page detail about each of them, but you, you get to learn about how it came to be and, and some of the founders and what they were like back in the day. Um, and I'm Generally, going... the book provides uh, the book provides historical context, but then has more of a focus on the content that's going to be more actively useful for your games. Yeah, yeah. you'll you'll feel what their actions, how they reverberated through through history, and maybe how they affect the, the society in this day. But we don't give you a full, oh, they were born here, and then this is how they grew up, and stuff like that. Uh, and one last question here before we end things, which. Uh, this feels like a missed opportunity. Zerg Titan 99 asks, can you turn your Wayfinder into a familiar? Which, boy, do we do I wish I could say, yes, you can definitely do that. <laughs> um, I think that feels like an obvious chronicle cheat reward kind of boon thing that maybe we could uh, uh, plan for the future, but that's not something that we include in this book. Way to toss the ball back to me, Louise. <laughs> yes. Well, I don't have that power anymore. The book is now out of my hands. Familiar is good on us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you want to, if you want a familiar that has to do with some of the sort of, but the other one of the classic associated with the Pathfinder Society magic items, then you may want to pick up the Aeon Weird from this book, which yeah. is a swarm of floating gemstones surrounding a larger stone that. Uh, grants the power of its internal Aeon Stone to its master. And you'll see the full write-up for the Aeon Weird is in this book as well. Yeah, so you can tie your Aeon Weird to a Wayfinder, but maybe maybe there's a way we can get a Wayfinder familiar out there, and then you can have two familiar buddies that work together. <laughs> and since we're already talking about the uh, familiars, the, uh, the fourth one in this book is the adorable Calligraphy Worm. Uh, oh, yes. Little curious dragons that are constantly going... Um, to, to look for new sources of lore in writing. Okay, well, thank you everyone for joining us for this panel. Like I mentioned, you can check out Pathfinder Society Guide in just a few months. Uh, we hope everyone has a great Gen Con the rest of the weekend. And uh, we look forward to hearing your stories uh, at, from your Pathfinders in the future. Thanks everyone. Thanks everybody. Bye. 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 The No Direction Network's PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage was made possible by the KDCon team, consisting of Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, Ryan Costello, Alexander Agunas, Monica Marlowe, Vanessa Hoskins, Dustin Knight, and Andrew Sturtevant. 
For more great Pathfinder, Starfinder, and other RPG news, reviews, podcasts, and blogs, check out NoDirectionPodcast.com.